It is so good to be with you all, uh, albeit online, Zoom, a little, little different uh, for all of us. I've, uh, I've recorded a couple of sermons for churches that they used on their online worship, but this is my first uh, live uh, online uh, experience. So it's great. It's great to be with you all. Uh, and I know... Uh, it's easy for a little bit of Zoom fatigue to, to set in, uh, but as the scriptures encourage us, do not grow weary in doing good, and it is a good thing for the people of God to come together uh, in worship, and so I want to I wanna encourage you, and I'm really thankful at the end of the day, as I hope you are, that uh, in a very strange time with this pandemic, uh, that we actually do have the technology and the capability to connect and be together and worship and pray uh, together in the body of Christ. Um, so much has changed in this season that we're in. We don't know how long it's going to be, but we do know that uh, the Lord is reigning and his mission uh, continues. Uh, in our lives, one with another, in our mission and call to serve uh, the world. And uh, actually today, I think as we get into our scripture readings, that we're going to hear a little bit about the mission that, that we have. Uh, I am thankful for uh, Joel, for all of the leaders, and indeed all of the people of King of Kings. I've been able to to join you uh, in past weeks. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I'm almost omnipresent. I can visit many churches on one Sunday because of uh, the online uh, you know, nature of things these days. And so I've been with you and you guys have adapted so well and are doing so well. And so uh, please uh, be encouraged. Um, just as a way of update, uh, the churches of the diocese are, are all doing well, uh, given what we're facing. And I've been so proud of not only you all, but all of our rectors and leaders in our churches and uh, the ways that they've adapted. And it, folks are at different places, given what's going on with this virus. Some folks are worshiping outdoors. Uh, some are holding off still and will for a few weeks. And so it just takes kind of staying in step with the spirit, the leadership coming together, discerning and doing what uh, seems to be best. Um, Bishop Steve Wood, as I'm sure you know, thank you for your prayers for him. He is recovering. Uh, he's in physical therapy three to five days a week. Uh, he was on a ventilator, as you know, for 10 days with COVID. And, uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of kind of continued physical uh, consequences of being on a ventilator and having that dread uh, virus. We've had a number of clergy in the diocese that have had the virus, all are doing well. A number of uh, our lay people uh, across the diocese have had it. We've had one death that, that I'm aware of, uh, uh, a really gentle man from uh, Christ Church in Merle's Inlet, uh, actually where Eric Spies is uh, serving now, who uh, 
um, who died, he had some secondary issues. He was well into his seventies. And so um, that's, it, you know, that was our, our low, our low moment thus far, but we continue to pray for God's protection and grace and wisdom for all of the churches. And uh, it's great to be with you and to be able to, to bring greetings to you. I want to, I want to, start us off on this um, Matthew 10 passage that, that we just heard read. And uh, I did hear Joel's uh, sermon last week. You were in Matthew 9, the previous chapter, and Jesus showed his shepherd's heart for uh, the, and compassion for the people who were without a shepherd. And, and certainly it's a clear teaching uh, in all of the gospels that, that Jesus is our new shepherd. He is the good shepherd. He is fulfilling uh, what, uh, unfortunately, the old covenant leaders had failed uh, in, in his messiahship and in his coming into the world. And the amazing thing is that he invites us into his shepherd mission. And that's what we see happening now as we turn to the, the 10th chapter of Matthew's gospel. Uh, I don't need to, to convince you that we live in a world that has been shaken to its core, shaken to its core, not only by this pandemic, but by the, the social unrest, the, the emergence of uh, racism, uh, it just, you know, once again, kind of the revealing of it in the, in the uh, circumstances that are going on around us. And so, so uh, all the more that we understand and take hold of this mission of Jesus to our world, we care for one another, but we're also called in the body of Christ to, to venture out uh, into the world with the good news of Jesus Christ and to, to minister, as Joel was saying, in a holistic way to the needs of uh, our, our broken world. And, and they are many, and that I don't need to spend a lot of time. I think we all see it if you don't turn on the news. Um, we're called to go to the broken places. We're called to go to the marketplace. We're called to, to reach our neighbors and the folks in our own homes uh, with the good news uh, of Jesus Christ. And so, so what we have in this 10th chapter, and it begins in that 16th verse that we heard read, um, Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, um, there's a lot that's said in this passage that that might not make you want to sign up real quick for this mission. <laughs> um, and yet what I believe Jesus is saying here is that um, he's being very realistic about the the reality of conflict, the reality of resistance, the reality of rejection, and the reality of division that comes when we follow Jesus. He, he, he really did not paint a rosy picture. He was quite clear. And it was a good thing because we can read the rest of the New Testament. We read the book of Acts. We see the kind of conflict and division and persecution that the people of God 
experienced because of this gospel of peace, which, which Jesus has revealed to us. Uh, earlier in this 10th chapter, the apostles were sent out, and we see it throughout the synoptic gospels when those times when when Jesus called together his apostles and sometimes a larger number than just the 12, and on another occasion, 70, and he would send them out on mission. It was as if they were watching Jesus for uh, so much time, amazing healing, amazing deliverance, amazing teaching, uh, all uh, of what we read about Jesus in the Gospels. But then one day, Jesus turned to the disciples and said, okay, now it's your turn. And you know, they probably had a lump in their throat and their, and their pulse was going up. What do you mean? And he gave them authority, uh, Matthew says, over, over demons and over sickness. And he sent them out uh, under that authority, but he sent them out together. And I think, uh, I think that's really an important piece for us, uh, that mission isn't a solo act, that God actually intends us for us to be on mission together in the body of Christ and, and to share that common ministry, that common mission uh, with one another, to find the encouragement and the challenge that we give uh, so, so often to one another. Uh, we also see that m- mission is complex. It's not a simple kind of formula that uh, because it's holistic, because it involves, you know, our bodies and our spirit and, and uh, the culture that we live in, uh, it, it needs to be broad. You might find a way that's effective to reach one kind of group or one segment, or, but, but there's always a, a broader mission beyond that, and he's calling us to it. And yet at the same time, we see that the mission that Jesus sent his apostles out on, which we actually continue that apostolic ministry, was also strategic. When Jesus sent the apostles out, he said, I don't want you to go to the Samaritans or the Gentiles. I want you to go to to, uh, Israel. Now, that wasn't the end of the story, thanks be to God, because I think most of us are inheritors of that, uh, that Gentile uh, gospel that's come to us. But, but at that time, it was strategic. And what that says to me is, is that, that mission um, needs to be led by the Holy Spirit, that you need to be in step strategically with how God is calling you king of kings, and that's the question here. I'm not just talking about the apostles 2,000 years ago. I'm talking about us in our context and our culture today. How is it that God the Holy Spirit is leading and directing us to enter strategically into the mission field? And so Jesus Jesus has sent them out, and he says, you know, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Uh, There's going to be pushback. There's going to be conflict. Beware of men, he says, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my name's sake to bear witness before them to the Gentiles. He says, when they deliver you, do not be anxious. Easy for Jesus to say, right? 
Do not be anxious. There you go. You're being dragged before governors. You're being arrested. You're being called to, to, to bear witness, to give testimony as to your own innocence. He says, don't worry about what you're going to say. Easy for Jesus to say. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You see, what Jesus was speaking about was the coming Pentecost that we just celebrated. This, this gift of the Holy Spirit. Mission cannot be fruitful and effective without the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus has said, don't be anxious, don't be fearful. In fact, uh, don't even worry about what you're going to say. Allow God's Spirit to speak through you. Uh, there's a certain openness of heart that, that's required to, to be a missionary. And you see, all of us are called to be missionaries, to be missionaries in our homes and in our neighborhoods and in the culture. You might think you're a real estate agent or a lawyer or, or an accountant, but you're really a missionary for Christ just in the disguise of a, a lawyer or a real estate agent or an accountant. God intends and has given his gifts and his Holy Spirit to each and every one of us in order that we might bear witness to his goodness and his salvation and the life that comes in Jesus. And, and we can expect, Jesus says, that there will be pushback and folks that reject. But he's, in essence, saying, don't worry. God's got you. The Holy Spirit is attending the mission that he calls us to, and he will speak. He said, goes on to say, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that reminds me again of, of Jesus's parable of the, the 10 virgins and who the ones that endured were the ones that, that had oil in their lamps. Uh, this kind of uh, symbol of the life and presence of, of the Holy Spirit uh, in the people of God. And so it's by the Spirit that we bear witness. It's by the Spirit that we endure to the end. And Jesus says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Now, what Jesus is describing is, in a very real sense, the demonization of the people of God. When you say that you are uh, the, the chief demon, and how much more, Jesus says, well, can you expect for folks to demonize us in the life and ministry that he calls us to in Jesus? But he says, have no fear of them. Here he goes again. And I say it's easy for Jesus to say, but remember, this is on, on the other side of the cross of Calvary, and everything that, that Jesus tells us to expect, he experienced in his own body, as, in his own, his own journey to the cross of Calvary, the rejection, the abandonment of his friends, um, you know, being called to, to bear witness before governors, 
all of this happened to him. And he says, do not fear them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those. Here he goes again. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not fear those who, who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Jesus is bringing encouragement to us in the mission. And here's what he ends with. And I want you to hear this. And now one, he says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. I've always said with my head, that's, I, I kind of made it easy on the Lord to number the hairs on my head. There's just not many of them. But there's something so precious in what Jesus is saying here. If God knows the sparrows and what's happening with them, how much more, Jesus says, does he understand what's going on in our lives? How much does he know us and everything about us? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He says, you are so much more valued than the sparrows. There's nothing that can happen to us in this world on mission for Jesus that escapes the eye and heart and arm of the Lord. He's involved in it all. And so at the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus gives the great commission He's saying again what he's saying here, you're called to go out, to move out, to be missionaries in the world. But he says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus can say, do not fear, do not be anxious, because of the reality of his presence with us in that accountant's office or in that work in the real, as a realtor or a lawyer or a, a, a a mother or a father in our homes. God is with us. And those who acknowledge me, I will acknowledge before my father. Jesus is kind of giving us this, this uh, uh, big picture perspective for the mission that we're on. Because the mission is what we do in this world. But this world is not all there is. There's the reality of eternity. There's a reality of that day when the Son will acknowledge us before the Father. And we don't just live for this day. We live for what is to come. And that's part of the perspective that allows us to move out in mission. There's a costliness to mission. There is rejection. There is resistance. But there's a promise that Jesus gives in the midst of it. And that's to be with us, this promise not to fear, this promise not to be anxious, because God is sovereign over the affairs of our lives, to, to take the big picture. I want to pivot just for a moment, if I could, into the Romans 5 passage. I, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, not uh, relate these two together, because I believe what we're seeing in this Romans 5, and it begins at verse 15, the reading that we heard read this morning, is, is, is the theological motiva motiva uh, motivation, if you will, for the mission that God's called us to. Because what Paul is doing in the book of Romans 
is he's he's explaining he's he's speaking to us of the riches and the depths of the gospel which is at the center of the mission that Jesus calls us to join him in it's so related to the mission and and Paul Paul starts off the first chapter he says for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe He's not ashamed. And, and, and the whole epistle to the Romans is, is about the beauty and the depth and the reality of this gospel. And Paul lays out this, this understanding of, of our justification by faith. And he goes back in earlier chapters and he speaks of, of uh, Abraham, who, who was not justified by, by the law. The law hadn't even come. Moses was, was generations away, and yet he was justified by believing and trusting in God. And Paul says that's at the center of, of this gospel that he's not ashamed of, this gospel that has the power to bring life and salvation to those who believe. And so he, he kind of he, he lays it out. And in the fifth chapter, he, he starts off, he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The simple definition of to be justified is just as if I had never sinned. That, that reality legally that we stand before God without any impediment in our life, that, that the blood of Christ through the cross of Christ has cleansed and forgiven us. And, and this, my friends, is, is the good news. So we get to, we get to this, this um, 15th verse of Romans 5, if you have your Bibles, and he says this, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. You see, what Paul does is he, he develops uh, uh, this, this comparison between the first Adam and, and what we've come to know as the second Adam. The first Adam in the Garden of Eden who... who uh, began the downward cycle of disobedience, and then the second Adam in Jesus. One man, sin entered the world through one man. Now Paul is saying this, this free gift. You know, Paul, Paul draws this, this huge contrast between what we got in the first Adam and, and what we've received in the second Adam. And what, what we had in the first Adam is sin and condemnation and death. But now through the cross and life and resurrection and ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ, what we have is righteousness, justification, life. We have grace and this free gift. Paul's so clear that, that our lives in Christ are not something we work for or attain or try harder. It's actually a gift. It's a free gift. It's a gift that comes through Jesus. 
And this, my friends, is, is the fuel and the substance of the mission of the people of God. It's this gospel which sets us free. This gospel which provides us forgiveness. This gospel which is life itself. And so our, our mission is fueled by the free gift. Our mission is grounded in the grace of Jesus Christ. Our mission is mediated by the person of Jesus Christ who pours out his spirit into our lives. Earlier in this chapter, Paul said, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Dear friends, that's how we live into the mission. It's, it's centered in the person of Jesus Christ. It's centered in this gospel, which has the power to bring life. What does our world need? What does it need from you? It needs testimony to this free gift. It needs a life that's lived in the power of the Holy Spirit that others might see Christ and receive the benefits of his life. May God, the Holy Spirit, continually bring together the family of King of Kings. May he continue to equip you and empower you and, and guide you in the mission that he's given you to the people of Charlotte. 